You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. There are just four games left for the Buffalo Bills in the regular season, and they got a big one this weekend as they welcome the Dallas Cowboys into town. For the last couple weeks, we did not know if this team is going to make the playoffs. We still don't know if they're going to make the playoffs but they could really help their chances with a win on sunday what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of it's always game day in buffalo mapove sal capaccio and right off the bat we are getting to the cowboys we are joined by brian Broadus from love of the star podcast out in dallas brian thank you for joining us ahead of what at least in buffalo is a pretty big game it's a huge game for Buffalo, and it's always game day in Buffalo. I love your guy's name. I, can we trade out Love of the Star? You guys can have Love of the Star. <laughs> Bobby and I will take that. It's always game day in Buffalo. We like that one a lot. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge game. It's a huge game for the, for the Cowboys as well just because of, you know, the things that they have gone through. And, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, at this point in the season, the way the schedule is played – it's now it's Buffalo, it's Miami, it's Detroit. You know, they've had some games where it's like the opponents haven't been up to everybody's standard. You find ways to win, but now you gotta go play a game in Buffalo and and I think everybody here in Dallas realizes what's at stake uh with you know with the Cowboys and then also, you know, what's at stake for the Bills, especially this time of year. Yeah, and they're the, the Cowboys have the Bills, then they have the Dolphins right sure after do. that. So they're gonna run through right. the the top of the AFC East, but in the meantime, like really, they don't fear anybody right now the way they're playing. I mean, they are. There's an argument to be made that the Cowboys are playing the best football in the NFL. The only team that can might make that argument is the 49ers on top of them. But they look like the the class of the NFC specifically. 
maybe even the all of the NFL. What's what's been happening right for them? Why are they so tough to play against over the last several weeks? And you know what they're being able, to, what they're doing to these teams that they're going up against. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, there was time where they put a lot into this game against. San Francisco. When the schedule came out, you know, week five, it's the 49ers. Dallas going to get revenge, playoff games. You know, everybody's talking about it, and they 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 went to San Francisco or Santa Clara and just got their ass handed to them. And just to put it nicely, and and the offense wasn't very good. It got completely shut down. They couldn't get the ball to Ceedee Lamb. They couldn't get the ball to Brandon Cooks. You know, Ferguson, the, the tight end, wasn't really hasn't wasn't developing like everybody kind of thought he might. Dak was it was playing very cautious. He didn't want to throw interceptions. Mike McCarthy's play calling wasn't up to snuff. And it was really it was very disappointing. And they had the bye come along. And all of a sudden it's like Mike McCarthy makes a big deal about what he calls the cross the hall meeting. And it's when the defensive coaches look at the offense and the offensive coaches look at the defense. And I guarantee you what happened here, and I'm trying to get somebody to admit this to me, but the, I, I, I want to believe that, that Dan Quinn told Mike McCarthy, like, you are easy to stop. You are easy to defend. You are, you are not helping yourself calling plays this way. Because it was, it was, you know, when it, if you believe in metrics, and there's a lot of people out there that believe in the metrics, and you're looking at this and you're saying Dallas was near the bottom of the, the league in air yards. The ball just uh-huh. wasn't going downfield. Richardson, the quarterback in Indianapolis, him and Dak were near the bottom of the list for air yards. And it was slants, it was underneath stuff, it was it just it was just hard to watch. And they really weren't running the ball. The right tackle, you know, was coming off the knee injury. There they just there was no cohesiveness at all to their offensive line. But it was after that bye that they kind of sat down and said, okay, we've got to open things up or we've got to play different. And now what you're seeing with Dallas is route combinations. You see, you know, Ferguson, I mentioned him, the tight end, you know, he will run a combination route with Cooks out of the slot and they find a way to get Lamb involved. So now you've got bunch formations, three wide receiver packages, uh, two out, one up, you know, seam routes they're running. You know, they're, they're trying to take advantage of, of what these defenses are giving them in a way that like they're attacking and it's not before it was very much kind of a reactionary offense now it's an attacking offense and Dak is is not turning the ball over and the line is is played together Tyron Smith once again is playing at a high level uh the right tackle Terrence Steele has has kind of gotten back into you know I mean, he was awful in Philadelphia in week nine last week in this game this last game against Philadelphia one of the better games he's played so this line is coming together they're finding a little traction in the running game it's nothing spectacular but they're finding a little bit of that but the quarterback has just been playing at such a high level and it's been the 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 receivers the skill guys getting open and getting open because you're starting to see the Cowboys offensively, Mike McCarthy, attacking defenses. And I think that's been the biggest difference. They went from a team that just was kind of just playing, you know, playing in a shell to playing like, okay, we got to open this thing up if we have a chance to win these games. So the offense is playing at a level that probably is 
not being matched by any team in the NFL right now. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but defensively, because, you know, from the outside observer, obviously, you know, Micah Parsons, you know, right. Stefan Gilmore, especially here in Buffalo, obviously Trayvon Diggs is injured, but we're very familiar with him because of his brother here. Right. But is that a unit that's playing up to the standard that there was before the season? Or is that something that could potentially be, Certainly not a mismatch, but an area where the Bills are able to put up some points, are able to move. Oh, I, the way the Bills play, and you know, and we watch the Bills because you know the national games and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You get to see, and you know, the it's you know, there's the, trust me, there's utmost respect for the Buffalo Bills. You could look at their roster and see that, and and I, I know the guys over there, you know, the scouts and front office guys with the Cowboys when they're breaking down the Bills, it's. You know, it's it's a lot different talk. Sometimes yeah. you talk to them and it's like, well, you know, we can do this and do it. No, there's there's that respect that you have to. And absolutely, yeah, the, the Cowboys, um, you know, uh, it was really clear that the, the, the Seattle Seahawks with their the receivers, they had three outstanding receivers, you know. And then last week, you know, Philadelphia with their receivers, you know, the, if, if you've got receivers – that are playmakers, it, it gets tough for Dallas. I mean, Gilmore is now having to travel. You know, he's mm-hmm. having to travel to, uh, you know, to make up for – because Deron Bland, as many interceptions as Bland was getting, Seattle just basically said with DK Metcalf, you're not good enough to cover him. Yeah. And it, and it, and it turned into – but Dallas was fortunate to get some fourth down stops. It was a tough, tight game all, all you know, all game. And so, you know, you look at Buffalo and, and what they – present the problems that they can present to you and and Dallas at times has had trouble dealing with running game you know when people now Dallas when they have problems in the running game is when they jump around blocks or they don't fit or the safety doesn't come down and Dallas plays a lot of dime package because they don't have depth at linebacker so all of a sudden you know you got smaller guys playing linebacker you know and now if you're a team that wants to try and bully Dallas you could you could do that you know, I mean, the, the the you know Bell and those guys and Clark and those guys play, they play tough, but they it they, there's times where you see second level blocks and things open up. So, yeah, it, it, this you very well can can move the ball in the Cowboys. Where Dallas hurts you though, is if all of a sudden they make you one dimensional and they turn oh. you into and the re, and Dallas scores at home especially scores a ton of points. And yeah. they put you in a pressure where you can't run the ball. You have to throw to get back in the game. Yeah. And their their front, when it comes to what Dan Quinn does with his front, uh, it's it's pretty impressive. You know, and there's always going to be a fifth or sixth rusher. And when you move Parsons around, that tests the blocking schemes of the opponents. And but you know, if you if you play with some balance, you can give Dallas some problems uh, defensively. So, Brian, do you expect Stefan Gilmore to travel with Stefan Diggs? I would say there's a good possibility of that, yeah. Depending on – and I'm going to get to sit down and, and watch Buffalo tonight. I have access to, to all your tape. And so I'm going to sit down and, and watch how you, know, you line up depending on Gilmore. You, or excuse me, with uh, Diggs, you could tell me if he's a slot player, outside player, and stuff like you know where he lines up. And that's where you've got to kind of figure out how all these guys line up, how the tight ends are involved. So Quinn will try and match you. He will try and match you with whoever he feels like your biggest weapon is, and you know Bland mm-hmm. is a really is a good young player, and he's super competitive. And if you make a mistake throwing the ball, 
and he's anywhere near it, he's, his ball skills are good enough to make you pay for that. And, and Gilmore could be the same way. But uh, where Dallas has had some problems, guys, and last week it was much better, they haven't been very good at safety. There's been some problems with the ball going down the field, and then all of a sudden, you know, guys with not playing with their eyes, not seeing. Say you get a play action, and there's a step up. Now the ball's going behind, and you know the routes are behind, and you're not aware. And now you're trying to turn and recover. You know, you could play with, you know, you know. And Joe Brady, I have the utmost respect. I'm an LSU alum. I love yeah. what Coach Brady did for my LSU Tigers to win the national championship. So, so I know he's a creative coach. I know he mm-hmm. can look at tape and figure out, okay, this is how I'm going to attack Dan Quinn in this game. But again, if if Dallas can make you one dimensional, they can just they could it's it's going to be coming after Josh Allen and can you know and he's a tough guy. He will stand there and throw the ball, mm-hmm. but he's also thrown the ball to the other team some, you know, and that's and that's the things that Dallas is going to try and force. Brian, as I was looking back on some of the Cowboys games that they've played this season, you know, I know they're on such a heater and you start from obviously the most recent game and you look at the Eagles and you work your way back that way. And I'm looking and I'm going home game, home game, oh, yeah. home game, like a lot of home games. And I oh, yeah. know how dynamic they are at home. But is it a game that can travel? Like, I know that they're still in a really, really good team, but it feels like that could be a big advantage for the Bills, getting them on the road and getting them in their place. Yeah, it absolutely could be. The the big questions is, you know, trust me, there are people right now lighting candles that hope the weather's not awful in this game. (laughs) It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It might be close to 50 degrees, actually, and pretty dry. that's That's the thing. I think the biggest fear that the Cowboys would have would be wind. You know, because mm-hmm. you know, and, and they they will find ways. They 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 find ways to create, uh, kind of be creative in the way they run. It's not just outside zone. You know, it's, it's not that. It's 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 some traps. It's crack toss. It's jet sweeps. Dallas will mess with your eyes a little bit with all the stuff that they try and do. The team every week has done more with pre-snap motion, motion at the snap. They did try. They went from one of the worst in the league the first five weeks to one of the better teams. They're still right around you know 15th, but they started off you know like they were 26th. So they, every yeah. week they've tried to attack a little bit more. But yeah, the, to answer your guys' question, the, the the this is a huge test. Can you take this game outside, and can you play in conditions that? And if you tell me it's 50 degrees and light wind and all that, man, that's answered a lot of prayers over there at the Star in Frisco. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of people would say that. By the way, the Bills are the same way. They want to get you one dimensional. The Bills. Yeah, I believe they're still first in the NFL in sacks per pass attempt. They have such a there you go tremendous defensive line. If you can do that, so I think both teams might want to just kind of control the game a little bit. Try to. So they don't have to get in that particular situation let's talk about special teams finally it looks like dallas has solved their kicking problems and now they can score from almost anywhere once they cross midfield it seems like no absolutely and 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 brandon aubrey has done a really nice job when we were out at training camp in oxnard california i can't say that because he was not very good in camp there was competition uh tristan viscaino they were going back and forth and it seemed like every time that viscaino would miss one aubrey would miss one you know, it was a make, a make, a make, a make, a miss, a miss. It was it was so weird to watch. And you're like, and they made the determination. You know, with with really like ten days left in camp, it's like they cut Viscaino and they said, Aubrey, you're our guy. And from that point on, everything changed for him. Everything changed for him. And so, you know, that's that's the the, the beauty. Sometimes I, when I worked for the Cowboys as a, when I was a scout, 
uh, from 1999 to 2005, we had a coach and it's named Steve Hoffman, and he's a special teams coach, assistant special teams coach in the league. And Hoffman could go to Home Depot or Walmart or wherever you want to want and get 10 guys, and one of those guys were going to come out and be a Pro Bowl kicker. He, he had this <laughs> unique ability to take 10 guys from, from Home Depot and go work out on a field. And the next thing you know, it was Billy Cundiff or, you know, it, it, was just, it, was just, it was amazing that as scouting department, we never had to scout kickers. But he, he would find these guys. And Bones Fossil has done a really, really nice job with – with the with the special teams, they had the unfortunate thing with the punt, uh, the fake punt the other night. Uh, but you know that uh, it didn't it didn't kill him in the game. But it, to find Brandon Aubrey and then and then with the punting game the way it is too, um, you know it, it's it's been uh, it's been actually special teams has been one of the really bright spots of what the Cowboys have have been able to put out on the field this year. Brian, if you were talking to the Bills coaching staff and you were trying to figure out a game plan for this game, I know we've talked about balance. We've talked about trying not to make the big mistake. Of course, those are things that are often talked about. But what is the thing that the Bills need to do to have success against this team and ultimately give themselves a chance to win? I think what you need to do is that you need to test and see how physical Dallas is willing to be right off the jump. You need to you need to line up and you know, if you if your packages are, you know, like I said, I'm going to sit down and talk. I mean, the next few days are my days of studying the opponent, getting ready for the game. But if you if you were to tell me that, like, okay, Buffalo is able to line up and physically just hammer you running the football and and start. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds very simplistic to say, but if you find ways to take it out of the Cowboys, and because they want to rush the passer, they want to get upfield, they want to be that type of team. But, you know, you make them have to stay on the field and have to deal with drives and have to deal with the physicality of the game. They've got some tough guys. But all of a sudden, the most demoralizing thing that happens to the Cowboys, and San Francisco was able to do this, their ability to run the ball, and then all of a sudden everything else opened up. The Mm -hmm. crossing routes opened up. The screen game opened up. You know, Dallas was on their heels trying to kind of, you know, deal with all that. And so if you, if you turn it into a game where they have to deal with a lot of physicality, you know, that's, that's tough. It's tough for any NFL team to play that way. But I think if I were the, if I were the Bills, you know, I would try and do the best I can to, to just, just try and, and, and punch Dallas in the mouth as much as you can to start this game and see what you can get out of it and stay ahead of the chains. Because, again, nobody wants to throw the ball against Dallas because of the pass mm-hmm. rush. But if you could keep us ahead of the chains, keep the balance, and then you find a way to, you know, you, you can't get down in the red zone and not come away with points, too. That's mm-hmm. Seven's going to be key, that these field goals and stuff like that. you know. But you got to know on the other end of the, of the other end of, for Dallas, Dallas is capable of scoring points. If they get yeah. things going, you know, you mm-hmm. you can't get it, go and give them the ball. You can't give right. them the short field. Dallas will drive it on you now. Dallas will Dallas will take 13 plays, 14 plays, 15 plays. But along the way, they might have a penalty or two, but they find a way they get in some long yard situations, and Dak's one of the best in the league when it comes to that, when it comes to converting third downs. So, um, But my thing offensively was, I mean, I think you just got to protect the football, but – you know, if you take, if you make it a really, really physical game and see how Dallas will respond to that. Well, Brian, I'm just looking now, Sunday in Orchard Park, high of 48 during the day, low yeah. of 39 at night. So we're probably looking at low 40s, Jeez. light wind, 11 miles an hour, not too bad. Yeah. But I'll be honest with you, I think the Bills prefer those conditions. I know it's Buffalo. People think snow, yeah. but I mean, Matt would probably tell you, their steam is better mm-hmm. when they can kind of get yeah. on a fast yeah. track and let Josh Allen yeah. sling it. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. I remember, you know, because we do in Dallas, we have a thing with DallasCowboys.com, the draft show. And I love Josh Allen. I, I mean, I've, and I just, you know, I've, I've seen him play so much like in Wyoming and scouting and stuff like that. And I was just, I was super impressed. I thought it was the perfect team for him to go to. I just said, mm-hmm. this is the right player. This guy was built. He goes from Laramie, Wyoming to Orchard Partner. I mean, it just seemed like yep. the right fit. But yeah, it, you know, you want to see conditions. I mean, we all kind of, we all, you know, the snow games, all, trust me, yeah. I went to Green Bay for five years and watch mm-hmm. the snow and, you know, negative nine degrees and <laughs> trying to survive the game. Not me. I'm on the sidelines every game. I I'd prefer yeah. very good conditions. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You don't, you know, you just don't want to. You just you want to be able to see both teams yep. have a chance. If you have to deal with Agreed. a little wind and all that, that's fine. But the rain or anything else to deal with that, that's that's kind of you know that's kind of something that I don't think either team really want to deal with that very much. But if that's the case of the forecast, Dallas catches a huge break because when yep. you looked at that schedule in April or May, you were probably going. Okay, trip to Buffalo in December, probably not going to be very, very good. You know, so you, you mark, you know, that's an L. You put L there, you know, and you, like when you go, yeah. you win, 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 L, you know, and then move on to the next game for sure. Brian, the last one for me is just big picture about the Cowboys. You know, yeah. we're in Buffalo. Obviously, our focus is the Bills, and there's tons of Bills fans here, but there's also a lot of Cowboys fans because there's Cowboys yeah. fans all over the country. It's America's right. team. We get it. Can they do it? Can they win a Super Bowl this year? Are they good enough? Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Um, it's funny because I think that the way that they're playing right now, offensively, yes. Defensively, there's still some things you could, you're probably going to worry about. I, I, I just feel that, that that 49er game is so fresh in my mind right now. Yeah. And I know it happened. So, but the teams you have to get through, I mean, I think Dallas can handle Seattle. I think they can handle, uh, you know, they can handle uh, Philadelphia Eagles. I think, you know, now San Francisco, that's what you're going to have to go through. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like we were talking about Buffalo. To me, Buffalo's a team I wouldn't want to play if Buffalo no, gets yep. into this. If the Buffalo gets into this tournament, and I'm not saying it because I'm on your podcast right now. Yeah, I'm saying it because legitimately, you look at that team and you're going, I don't want to deal with this crap. I don't no, want to no. deal with these. I don't want to deal with these players. Right. I don't want to deal with this quarterback. I don't want to deal with this receiver. I don't want to deal with the rush. I don't want to deal with all these things. So yeah, to answer your question, can they get through the Super Bowl? Yes, they can. They absolutely can with the way that the way the NFC looks right now. They, you know, they absolutely can. We'll see on the flip side of things. You know, Kansas City's not as good as they were. You know, they don't have the skill guys. Cincinnati losing their quarterback—that's huge. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit there and, and bet against the Bills if they get into this thing. I'm just no. not. It's it's an experienced team, experienced coach. You know, and and it's it's a team that kind of to me, you know, can figure out, can figure it all out. And then now you're now you're really dangerous that way. And we've seen teams with wild card records find ways to just keep winning games, you know. And, mm-hmm. and playing yep. at your place is a hard place. But your team will travel. I've seen it travel before. Yeah, you know. So it's going to be a tough game. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it because I'm looking to see how Dallas is going to respond. Because if they don't respond well, it's going to be a very tough narrative for them. You know, it's going to be. I mean, the Miami, you know, the Miami would be the next week, and it's like, well, Miami's looked like this and that. You know, Miami hadn't beaten anybody. Okay, you know. But these next two games are going to – actually, the next three games are going to tell you a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, 
much like the games that you guys got left as well, going to tell you about your football team. Cowboys 7-0 and at Jerry World, 3-3 three and three on the road. Big test on Sunday. Bills, Huge. Cowboys. Brian Broadus of Love of the Star and Dallas Radio. Great stories, too. We were talking off the air. It's uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's good to get to know you. Good to meet you, Thank man. You. Thanks I for joining us that. today. No, hey, and happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday. We're talking yeah, on your birthday. It's our time out on your birthday. It's the holidays. Happy holidays. Yeah. We feel like we're taking up your time here. Nah, man. You guys are all good. And I, I do appreciate you having me on. You guys do a hell of a job. It should be a lot of fun. It should be a very interesting game. A team that you don't see all that much. Yeah. But uh, but two teams that really need to get this one and then get to the next one. And and so that's what's going to make this one fun. Thanks a lot, Brian. I appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Have Brian. a good one. Enjoy the game this weekend. Okay. You too. All right. You too. Thank you. Brian brought us of Love of the Star. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply all right, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovey, it's always game day in Buffalo. Should be an interesting one. Let's rewind for a minute, Matt. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. have you, – you you did the pod. I, I haven't listened yet. Sorry. Shame on me. I know. Oh, come you, on, you did the man. Pod I, I know. I was on the way back, and then to be I honest I recorded you, that at like 1230 in the morning, on I, Monday I will, morning I, in I, Missouri. Our own, our own pod, and I didn't even get a chance to listen, partly because I was dealing with um, – I have become kind of like public enemy number one in Kansas city and the bills media here, because I'm like, 
I just think it was, I, I've, I've tweeted out some things that, you know, saying that, you know, pointing out it was an offsides on Kadarius Tony. But then what I did was I, I took the George Brett, you know, running after the umpire in 1983 and going crazy and put it next to Patrick Mahomes and going crazy on the sideline and basically had some fun with a meme and some Kansas City fans didn't like it. I love Kansas City fans. It's a great place. But you have had now, I don't know, mm-hmm. you tell me, how much of your pod was that conversation? Because we've heard a lot now over the last 48 hours since we're recording this about that situation. We've seen the reaction from Kansas City. What's your big picture thought on all of that now? That it was a penalty and that the argument is a stupid one that even though it was a penalty, it's not always called. And how can you call it in that moment of the game? Like, I don't necessarily, I feel like their argument the week prior on the no DPI call against the Packers is significantly stronger and more egregious than this one. And you can say, well, look what happened in the play. Well, if you watch the replay, you see the flag thrown the second after the ball is snapped before any of that play even happens. So when I see that and I see the replay and I see the zoomed in view of it, and then I start to see people breaking down all of the other times that players are lined up offsides. Well, listen, I mean, like Dan Orlovsky from ESPN did something where it's like he showed that Tony was lined up offsides like all of these different times throughout the game. But what I want to know is, what if the Bills knew? Like, what if the Bills caught that? What if the Bills knew that and then said something to the official? He's lining up offsides, and they waited and they did it intentionally. Like, I don't know if that's the actually what happened, or if they just waited until that moment to call it, or if that one was so egregious that they couldn't not call it. So I, I just think it's so overblown, and I think it's like typical. The officiating the NFL stinks. It is inconsistent and it is unreliable, but let's complain about it when it actually stinks, not when they actually make the right call. And if Chiefs fans want to complain about calls made at bad times in games benefiting somebody, well, did you watch the Super Bowl last year? Because you kind of benefited off of the exact same thing and won a Super Bowl because of it. So if you're going to take the one, you have to live with the other. No doubt about it. It's all well said. Um, yeah, they, their complaint isn't even that it wasn't a penalty. It's but you shouldn't have called it, which is a yeah. odd complaint if you know it was uh-huh. a penalty. And let me just explain to everybody here because I think that the word warning has been used a little bit too liberally and loosely in this situation. Andy Reid came out again. Well, you know, supposed to give a warning. No, no, no. The, the word warning is a little too much. But what what does happen though? It is it is a communication between the officials and the teams and the players. And that happens in everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's communication even about holding Matt, which is as you know, you might say to a left tackle, hey. You're getting close there. There might be a communication throughout the game. Hey, buddy, you know, hands, got to watch your hands. I'm going to have to throw that. That could happen during the game. Might not happen, but that's a communication between the officials. They might say to the left tackle, hey, you might need, you need to slide up. You've been lined up a little bit too deep. Things like that. They don't have to, but in this situation, here's what everybody's upset about. I played wide receiver. I coach football. I will tell you, you are taught at a very young age at wide receiver because you're further away from the ball that when you get out there to line up because – Sometimes there's a crown on the field. You're a lot farther away from the ball. It's not as easy as people think. You just should know exactly where the neutral zone is. Yes, you do, but you know your foot can be a little bit here or there. So what you do is when you get out there, you look over to the official who's on the side and you say, I'm on, I'm on. You hold up your hand. Am I good? Am I good? You're not really doing it, Matt, to tell him to see if you're lined up offside. You're doing it to make sure you're not lined up in the backfield. Because the uh-huh. official is looking for too many men on the line of scrimmage or not enough men on the line of scrimmage, I should say. So uh-huh. and if you're in the backfield, he might say, scoot up, scoot up, because he doesn't want – he's trying to help you not have any illegal formation penalty. He doesn't have to. But sometimes he might tell you, yeah, you're too far over the line. 
but it's that egregious. He doesn't have to help you. He never, there's no rule that says he has to. There's no warning that has to be given. And when we watched the video of Kadarius Tony, what did he do? He broke the huddle. He looked and Matt, what he did was he waved and he turned around. That's it. He waved and he turned around. He didn't actually get like a confirmation at all from the official. He didn't have any sort of, as my headphones fell, sorry. He didn't have any, the official didn't look him. He just looked at him, turned around. He went a step over. That's a penalty. There was no warning that had to mm-hmm. be given. There is a communication, but it doesn't matter. Even if you have that communication, there's no requirement for that communication. I mean, he also looked at the ref all the way on the other side of the field who conceivably wouldn't have been able to see him because he was lined up so far up basically in front of the center. Yes. And if he would have turned the other way and checked there, then and that's the guy who threw the flag. So the communication happened with somebody who didn't even probably see him. And also you communicate to avoid getting the penalty, not even from lining up wrong, but just like when you say, hey, am I good? They're not going to call a penalty on you if they don't say anything. So unless you have that communicate, you know what I mean? Like if you go, hey, I'm good, and they clearly see you and they don't say anything, they're not throwing the penalty there. But if they don't even see you trying to do that, which is what I'm assuming the guy who was closer to him, what happened, they're going to throw the flag. So like if you want to be mad at somebody, you should be mad at your wide receiver for making, even though it's not a big mistake, a costly mistake. And I, I, I was more upset at. First of all, I was, I was upset as a fan. <coughs> excuse me, a fan of Andy Reid, the guy who I think is one of the greatest of all time. What he does, I really respect him as a coach. For him to kind of take the lead on complaining about it after the game was a bad look oh, and embarrassing for the organization. And then Patrick Mahomes just doubled down. And Patrick, you know, I know he's upset. I get it. He's emotional. Bills fans would be. Players might be. But for Patrick Mahomes to meet Josh Allen at midfield and to complain about the call instead of telling Josh, hey, great game, stay healthy, and letting that go just in that moment, I thought that was pretty Bush League. Now, I will credit Patrick Mahomes for apologizing on the radio on 610 in in, in Kansas City, and I think that was great, and I think that he, he was heated. But that rubbed me very wrong. Like, look what happened after 13 seconds. Did Josh Allen say to Patrick Mahomes, I can't believe I didn't get the ball. I can't believe I didn't get the ball. It's overtime. We should change the rules. He didn't do that. He was gracious. He tapped him, said, stay healthy, good luck, whatever that conversation was. He went off. That's what bothered me about it. I get it. He apologized since then, but all of that should not have had to happen. I will say the fact that he apologized and he literally did it the next day for me goes a long way because I'm sure at that moment he was very, very heated. He was very frustrated. And I almost don't even think he was frustrated on the actual penalty. I think he's frustrated on this team not being as good as they thought they were going to be because they basically won the Super Bowl with these same players last year. And now they have taken a massive step back now. Given their schedule, they have four games left this season, just like the Bills. They are playing against four backup quarterbacks. They could still find themselves the one seed in the entire AFC. But I think they're like one game away from feeling really confident about that. It's almost like the inverse of the Bills. If the Bills had one more win, you would feel really confident that they were going to go to the playoffs right now. I think most people feel like, okay, there's a chance. I think it's the same conversation in Kansas city, but instead about making the playoffs, it's about being the one seed. I think most people are probably like, okay, there's a chance, but it doesn't look great. And if they had one more win, it would be like, oh no, there's a really, really good chance. And we know Patrick Mahomes is not going to have to go on the road to play a playoff game, which he still has not done. 
So I think it was kind of a culmination of like frustration on the call, frustration that their team just is not that good anymore offensively. They were averaging 19 points in their last five games. They scored even less than that against a Bills defense that was super banged up. So I, I just don't think they're that legit. If you took right now the Bills and Chiefs and put them on a neutral field, I think the Bills win by 10 points. I think they, sh- I think they, sh- they did everything they could to keep that game close. Like mm-hmm. I think the yep. Bills should have won by. Like more. they've done all year, by the way. Like they've done all year, by the way. It's right. Exactly. I mean, like that's um, you know, that's that's been a theme of this year. The other thing that came out of this game from the Bills side, and it's it's a shame too, because in here I'll tell you the story. I was after the game, we're all in the post game press conference. I walk out. Jeff Darlington was there from ESPN. And I said to mm-hmm. Jeff, "Man, great game, huh?" I had no idea about Mahomes and Andy Reid at the time. And Jeff Darlington looked at me and he said, "Yeah, it's a great game, but the story is going to be." the Patrick Mahomes, his reaction. I said, what are you talking about, Jeff? And he said, it's going to, it's going to be the headline, the way that they acted, which he's right. And that's a shame that the point I'm making is we should be talking about this big bills win, but instead we're talking about it from the Kansas city side and their reaction. Unfortunately, now maybe that helps the bills that not all the focus is on them going forward, but from the Bills side, Matt, we also got a lot of support for Sean McDermott after this game, after what happened last week, every Mm -hmm. player that I had a microphone in front of in some capacity said, we have Sean's back. He has ours in some way that was said by every single person I talked to. I think it was very clear after the game, first off hearing from the players, but more importantly, hearing from Sean, just how much this one meant. And that's not to say that like everything in the article, I'm not even saying like things were wrong or any of this stuff. I'm just saying like, I almost think they used, even though they won't say this, I almost feel like this article from Tyler Dunn at Go Long kind of brought these guys together and almost re-energized them to be like, this team loves being doubted and being the underdog. And the minute the entire country started doubting them and started thinking that they were going to be written off is when they played maybe their, I don't want to say best game of the year, but when they got their biggest win of the year, second biggest win, let's say the Dolphins won earlier in the year, was their biggest one. And that's why I feel like we have always said, you need to hit your stride at the right time. And they got to get in. It's the conversation we just had with Brian. It is still less than a 50% chance that they get in. But I can't sit here right now and say, I think they have a chance to run the table the rest of the regular season. And I think they have a chance to get into the playoffs and like really make some noise. Because mm-hmm. it's not that we're not that far removed. The best chance this team has ever had at winning a Super Bowl was when they went up with 13 seconds left on the clock in Kansas City. And that was in a season where they were, we were having these exact same conversations around Christmas time because they had to go on the road and beat the Patriots to give themselves still a chance at making the playoffs. And they did that, and then they won the rest of their games, and then they got hot at the right time in the playoffs. So for me, I think still to this day, there's four games left. If they win three, even though there's all those other teams in front of them, I would feel very confident that they're going to get in. And if you get in, I do not think there's a team in this AFC that you cannot beat. I think legitimately they would be favored against every single team in the first round of the playoffs, even on the road, except Baltimore. But I'm just assuming Baltimore gets the one seed. Yeah, no, it's all a great point. And you're right about you go back to 2021. They had the same record at the same time, seven and six Mm -hmm. after that. Um the Tampa game, the wind game against the um, New England Patriots, the Tampa game in overtime, seven and six. They went up running the table and beating New England to gain that game back and then winning the division ultimately. And you said it, there's a whole big group there. So let's look at the schedule and see how everything impacts the Buffalo Bills in week number 
15. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Matt, surprise, surprise, week 14 ended with a huge upset. The Tennessee Titans beating the Miami Dolphins, and that was monstrous for the Bills because now the Bills one and a half games behind the um, Miami Dolphins. So what has to happen is the Bills have to win one more game than the Dolphins do before they play each other, and then that game would be the de facto AFC East championship if it was one more win for the Bills than win for the Dolphins before then. That said, not only, not only was yeah. it a – upset by the Titans in a big comeback. Dolphins got really banged up. They lost their starting center, Connor Williams, for the year. That's a significant loss. Anytime Liam Eikenberg's been in there, they've had snap issues. They had one again the other night. Um, He's a really good player. We already know Jalen Phillips is out for the year. That hurt them on defense. And then Tyreek Hill, he may not be able to play against the Jets next week. We'll see. Right now, the Miami Dolphins are in a bit of trouble. They got, coming up after the Jets, they got the the Cowboys, then the Ravens, and then the Bills. The Bills. Yeah, I think that realistically like if Tyreek plays they're going to beat the Jets I know that the Jets are coming off a big win against Houston and it's not fair to write off any team but I I do think that if Tyreek plays and he's 75 percent they're going to respond well and beat the Jets but after that it's about is there a chance they lose one of those two games because the Bills need to have The Bills need to be within one game of Miami going into the last game of the year to have a chance at the division. So for me, it's, you know, do do you lose to the Cowboys? Do you lose to the Ravens? Do you lose both games? Because, I mean, that's been the criticism. You can't beat good teams. The Dolphins can't beat good teams. Well, if they beat the Jets, then there are 10 wins. But if they lose their next two games, there is absolutely a world where the Bills would be going to Miami even with just nine wins, but having a chance at winning the division because they would have the tiebreaker. So I don't think if you're the Bills, your best path is still to win the AFC East. I think your best path is just to, mm-hmm. you know, get 10 wins and hope that the teams in front of you lose or slip up somewhere. But it's also not off the table. Like there's still a chance here. Right. It's not a great chance, but it's not impossible. No, that's right. And I agree with you that if they go three and one, I think they get in at three and one. They go four and oh, they're certainly in. If they get three and one, they're I think they're in. Yeah. Especially if they one loss against the Cowboys. You don't want to see that at home against Dallas. I get it, but that mm-hmm. would enhance their chances because the other three games are AFC and right now they're behind the um uh because of the tiebreakers. But all these teams are seven and six. Only one team in the playoff race not winning division is above that. That's eight and five Cleveland. Everybody else is seven and six. So let's run through this. Obviously, Saturday, you'd love for the Vikings to beat the Bengals because it's an NFC team. Nothing mm-hmm. lost there. The Vikings do it. We'll see what 
um, Nick Mullins can come up with. They're playing the Bengals in Cincinnati. Of course, Saturday night, you'd love for the Lions to beat mm -hmm. the Broncos, which is very possible. The Lions are a yo-yo, and they lost last week. Maybe that means they win. But how about that Steelers-Colts game? Who should Bills mm -hmm. fans be rooting for? Steelers 7-6, and six, Colts 7-6. and six. You tell me, and then I tell you what I think. I think you root for the I was going to say I think you root for the Steelers because I don't think the Steelers are very good, but they also have a backup quarterback. So I wonder if they're better off just being – the Steelers' remaining schedule is harder than the Colts, though. So for that reason, I might say – Oh, I disagree. Oh, wait. Yes, you're right. No, no, you're right. I'm sorry. You're right. It is harder than the Colts. I agree. So I would say maybe you root for the Steelers there because I, I, I just don't think they're that good. Because I think that they'll have another loss along the way anyway, right? So you might as yeah. well give the Colts a loss now because I think even if the Steelers win, I think they're not going to win out because mm -hmm. the Steelers, look at their remaining schedule. Yeah, After the tough. Colts, they have the Bengals, the Seahawks, mm -hmm. and the Ravens. The Ravens might be playing for the one seed. But then yeah. because they do have the Bengals next week, that's another one that you have to think about. You know, they're going to be both be playing for, you know, each other as much uh, against each other. And you know that from the Bills' perspective, somebody's going to get a win in all these games. Someone's going to get a loss too. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's. I, I agree it's, with you. I, I think the, the Colts schedule is not that hard. It's Falcons, no. Raiders, Texans. I will tell you, Falcons are playing for a division. Texans mm -hmm. are still right there. Raiders can can bite you. You know, we we've seen it happen. But I think the Steelers have a tougher tougher road. I think the biggest threat for the Bills of all of the teams that are separating them in the playoffs are the Broncos because the Broncos have the head to head against the Bills. And they've got a pretty cupcake schedule moving forward. The Broncos last four games at the Lions, home against the Patriots, home against the Chargers, at the Raiders. So realistically, if they lose to the Lions and still then win their last three games, which I think is what's going to happen, they're going to be 10 and 7. And if the Bills finish 10 and 7, then the Broncos will have the tiebreaker against the Bills. So in my mind, I'm almost thinking, even though I know Cleveland could still slip up, I'm thinking about this as like Cleveland is going to get in because they're eight and five. I do not see them losing two of their last four games. And then the Broncos are going to get in. So I feel like all of these jumbled teams are kind of fighting for one spot. The Bills could get some help from the Dolphins if ultimately they slip up. But like I said, you want to be going to Miami playing for seeding, not playing for your playoff hopes. And that's why, right. you know, this this Cowboys game would be massive. Because if you can beat the Cowboys, you if you can beat the Chiefs on the road, and if you can pull off a win against the Cowboys, you better be able to beat Easton Stick on the road, and you better be able to beat Bailey Zappi at home. Yep. And then if you do right. that, and if you do that, and you're ten and six, like they could potentially have a playoff spot clinched going into the last game, and then that brings up a whole new dynamic. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I think the I think the scariest scenario, well, the scariest scenario for the Bills is missing the playoffs. That's pretty pretty obvious. But I think the worst case scenario for the Bills is going into that game in a if you win, you get in, but if you lose, you're out. And it feels like that's a very strong possibility. Actually, Miami is playing for something significant, like the one seed. That's what I mean. So yeah. it's I mean, it could it could be possible if Miami's not playing for anything because they're kind of locked in. And then uh -huh. it might make it easier, but you're right. I mean, if Miami's played for something and you have to win, that becomes a much different deal. Yeah, but it, yeah, it does. It does. It's the one thing about the Chiefs game that was so important for the Bills is that no matter what, I think it kind of gives you a chance going into late December. Even if you lose to the 
Cowboys. I'm a, like, you have to beat the Chargers and the Patriots. You absolutely have to. Because if yes. you don't beat those teams, you do not deserve to be in the playoffs. But if they go loss, win, win, then at that point, they're nine and seven. And then, you know, it might be one of those cases where it's like, if the Bills win, they get in. If they win, there's also a chance that they could win the division. If they lose, but Team X loses, they get in. Team Y loses, they get in. So it's just like giving yourself options as opposed to just having one thing have to happen. The one team we didn't talk about much is Cleveland. They host Chicago, and as much as Chicago is looking better, they won three out of four. I can't see the Bears going to Cleveland and and beating them with the Cleveland defense the way it stands. But look, you never know. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. Okay, good. I, I like. It. I like. I like the way you're thinking. You never know. I like. Right? I like. I like Chicago right now. Okay. Like, I think I they're. Too. I think they're a team that could surprise some people now. And they got nothing to lot. lose, and, it, and 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 even if they do actually lose games, they're not or win games, not hurting the draft status. So, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're, it's not like they're in valuation mode because they're like, yeah, we got Carolina's pick anyway. Yeah, I think the one for Cleveland that's interesting is the Houston game because is C.J. Stroud mm -hmm. playing? Is he not playing? Right. If, he's, if he's playing, then that's a game that they could absolutely lose. If he's not playing, then they're probably going to smush him. And then at that point, like, I mean, I guess it depends on what you think, but – they play the Jets on December 28th. Is there a chance Aaron Rodgers plays? I don't think there's any chance he plays. <laughs> but, you know, the dynamic of that game changes if all of a sudden he's yeah. out on the field. No doubt. Yeah, you're right about it. I mean, look, but don't don't discount Tennessee. Look what they did against Miami. I mean, this is the NFL, right? I think every week we're reminded in one way or the other, you know, that the NFL is um, such a razor-thin margin. Um, real quickly, in the yeah. NFC, how about the fact that the New York Giants are kind of back in this thing, right? I mean... Is that amazing? It's ridiculous. I mean, because if you look at there's such a difference between the AFC and NFC. In the AFC, the 11th seed, the Bills, is seven and six. In the uh -huh. NFC, a playoff team is six and seven. Two of them, two teams. One's leading a division, Tampa, and the other's Green Bay. Two teams under 500 are in playoff spots. Whereas in the AFC, you can't get a sniff if you're in the top, if you're in the 11th seed, even. Well, that's the thing that I like about the Bears is like for as bad as the Bears are, you know. They're still alive. They're still they're still alive. They are knocked out of division title contention. But besides that, like they haven't been eliminated from playoff contention. So at that point, it's like, hey, maybe they string together some wins. Maybe they start to look a little bit better. Justin Fields is trusting DJ Moore. They're throwing it all over the place. Who knows? Maybe they get hot. The Bills got it wasn't a perfect weekend because the Browns won and the Ravens won in overtime, but a lot, a lot, a lot went right for the Bills. Obviously, yep. the biggest in the fact that they won their game, but I don't think any of us thought Houston would lose to the Jets. I don't think any of us thought Miami would lose to the Titans. I don't think any of us lost thought the week would start with the Steelers losing to the Patriots. So they got some help. They really could benefit for another week of those things, but at the end of the day, the biggest, most important thing is just – Yep. Go beat the Cowboys. I mean, if, if this team beats right. the Cowboys, their chances of making the playoffs, I know mathematically would still only be like 50%, 60%, but I would feel like around here, people would start to feel really, really good about their chances. I I don't love the fact that they play at 425 with all this, though. I'd rather just play at 1 o'clock during these games. The fact that you have these other 1 o'clock, like Saturday. Matt, Saturday of three games that impact the Bills all before the Bills play, right? It's like, I don't really yeah. love that. I know I know it's in one sense like, okay, at least you know 
where you stand. Mm-hmm. They got Vikings, Bengals, you got Steelers, Colts, you got Broncos, Lions all on Saturday. By the way, I got Christmas parties on Saturday to go to. I got friends coming mm-hmm. up for the game. I don't know how much football I'm going to be able to watch. Yeah, I don't know how much football I'll be able to watch. I, I'll probably find myself time to watch football just because yeah. I, the one thing that I do like is I like going to the stadium before one o'clock and being able to watch the one o'clock slate of games before the bills play. Like that's nice because when they play at one o'clock, I do not see a lick of the four o'clock games and I barely see any of the eight o'clock game. So this will just give me like some time to actually just sit and watch football. Let's close on this. If you don't mind, I want to ask you going into this game against the Cowboys. Are you more optimistic, less optimistic or the same about their chances of winning this game as you were about the Chiefs last week? Hmm. About the same. About the same. I thought they had a really good shot to beat the Chiefs. But so they had, I. you know, I thought it was going to be a tough game. Instead, mm-hmm. you, you got to have things go your way, your way. You can't be turning the ball over. I feel the same about this game. I This is a tough opponent. This is really tough. What I, what I like about this game, I feel the same way I did when they played the Eagles. The Eagles came off. They, the Eagles had a tough it's, stretch. It's good. Playing it. It's good getting them off the huge win. Yes, yes. And you pointed it out. Home, home, home. This is their first road game in quite a while. I know. To Buffalo. Like, that's a, I think that's a tougher spot. And they're coming off that big win. And then after that, what do the, the Cowboys have a, a big one after this? I think. Oh, Miami. Oh, well, then they're going to Miami. Miami. That's right. They're going to Miami. Miami so, yeah. I mean, I guess the same kind. But yeah, I, I think you're getting them in a, a good spot here. If, if I'd rather have them here than, you know, um, you know, in a different circumstance, I guess, than what we just described. I, I'm about yeah. the same. I, the Bills are what one and a half point favorites, I think, going into this game. Is yeah, it's float float and a half between one, one and a half, yeah. two. And they were under so, there was one and a half underdog at Kansas City, but I'd say about no, the same. It, was, I, it ended it ended on a pick'em. It ended like oh, it the did. day I, of the I game. Didn't realize that. Yeah, the that. day of the game, it was a pick 'em, which was nuts to me. I was like, I cannot believe the Bills are a pick 'em against the Chiefs on the road at Arrowhead. This is one of those games that when you look at the line, I would imagine the general public is like, I am throwing all of my money on the Cowboys. How are they underdogs in this game? And I felt the exact same way about the week four game against the Dolphins when the Bills were only, you know, like, I think the Bills were like four and a half point favorites. And everybody was like, how could the Dolphins, after scoring 70 points, be four and a half point underdogs on the road? And the Bills dominated them. I know these are very different teams, but I do think that, you know, James Cook looked good. And we heard, like, we heard Brian say, like, run the ball, play a balanced attack. Like, let James Cook go do his thing. And then the minute they start favoring the run, attack those safeties and try and hit a big play. And I also think like maybe I'm rooting too much into it. Stefan, even though Trayvon is not playing in this game, Stefan Diggs is coming off of a couple games where he has not played up to his standard and he is going to want to light this team up. He is going to want to hang this over his yes. brother and be like, I'm going to torch your guys. And you he know, also grew Mike, up a Cowboys fan. He said that. Yeah, he like, said he grew up like, a Cowboys fan. He said he still is and with a wink, and I don't know if he meant just because of his brother or whatever that yeah. meant, but uh, that was a few weeks ago. But I agree with you 100%. I think Stefan, he maybe maybe he's texting or going to Josh this week and going, dude, I need to have the ball this week. I need to and have you know who game. else needs him to have the ball is Mike because he's got him in the fantasy playoffs this week, and he needs <laughs> yeah. a really big game from Stefan Diggs. So we said before the show started, before we recorded, like, hey, he has not had a couple good games lately. It feels like he's due for one. And if the weather's 45 and it's not super windy, like 
How about you attack Stefan? I think the best case for the Bills fans in this game would be that one, the Bills win, and two, you have one of those moments where Stefan Gilmore throws up his hands like he's supposed to be getting help from somebody, even though he just did not cover the right guy, and they get a deep touchdown. You remember that? The John Brown game against the Patriots? Yes. Remember yes. him throwing his hands up and being yes. like, I just got cooked? Like that's what that's what you want to see if you're a Bills fan. All right. Well, we got a big one on, on tap this week. Everyone's going to be big going on from here on out. So we got a lot of football still to be played, but at the same time, time is running short. For Matt Bove, WKBW TV Channel 7 in Buffalo, sports director. I'm Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550. Mike Rabier is our producer, doing a great job as usual. And we want to thank Brian Broadus. Uh, did a great job. Love of the Star yeah, podcast. So go find that awesome. as well. Yeah, Matt, um, I'll see you down at the uh, Bills Stadium this week. Should be a fun one. Absolutely. See you soon.